Blaze Radio presents He He Check. This is Heat Check. We waited a day. We processed a little more. I don't know if we're going to continue to go forward with Monday or Sunday, but it is Monday, and we had the most thrilling weekend of college football that I can remember. This is starting to become kind of a tradition on this show where we intro with saying it's absolute chaos. I feel like I reiterate this every show, but the more I know, the less I know. And that starts with what happens in College Station. Texas A&M beats Alabama. But before we get into that, that's Gabe Schwartz. I'm Peyton Gallagher. And with that said, Seth Small, not small in the moment, kicks Texas A&M to victory. Listen, coming into this game, A&M looked completely like a stuck pig. They looked like a team that couldn't move the ball. They scored 10 points and barely pulled it out against one of the worst Power 5 teams in the country. In Colorado was Zach Calzada at quarterback. Ever since Haynes King got hurt, this team had that result, barely got by against bad opponents, and then had lost their last two games to Arkansas and Mississippi State at home. We don't think, I don't, I guess Mississippi State might be okay, but nobody, <laughs> and this has been iterated at nauseum. Nobody really cared about this game. CBS gambled on AM, defying expectations Early of the past year. years and being something that we thought they were going to be coming into the year that they weren't, and it looked like they had gotten burned because they chose to make this their one-night game of the year. Well, it lived up to the hype and much more. Yeah, I mean, we when we did our, our 10 games of the year that were going to matter in July... Both of us had this game on our on our top ten. And we arrived Wednesday night. We sat down to prepare for our Blaze our live show on Blaze. Mm-hmm. And we said, sadly, Alabama A and M does not get even on the ten game pick'em slate for this week. And by the way, I don't think we made a mistake there. And I don't think like we both would have taken a loss. And everybody would have taken a loss. And in hindsight, like there were other games like Boise State BYU that we could have picked. There like there were other things, Wake Forest, Syracuse, there were other games that could have been on the schedule as well that were toss-ups. A&M, Alabama didn't figure to be a toss-up. And the way that A&M ended up winning, I think, is what surprises me the most because it was Zach Calzada playing well. It wasn't them dominating in the run game. They averaged three and a half yards per carry. It wasn't the way that Florida moved mm-hmm. the ball against Alabama. And it it made for even more compelling theater at the end of, of things where it's like, I'll be honest, for most of the night, I saw A&M was leading, and I was like, ah, that's too good to be true. It's not even worth tuning into at this mm-hmm. point yet because there are other competitive games like Michigan-Nebraska where it's back and forth, and at this point, A&M was just leading for the first two quarters. It gets to the end of the third quarter. I think Nebraska-Michigan had ended, and I, I tuned into A&M-Alabama just in time for the wide-open touchdown pass to Jamison Williams. Yeah. And who, by the way, balled out in this yes, game. and then 10 for you, 140. You, you think this guy was the number four dude at Ohio State, but yeah. continue. Yes. So he's wide open, false start on the play, not called, whatever, whatever, whatever. He gets a two-point conversion as well. They go up seven. First lead of the game for Alabama. And I'm thinking, all right, well, I tune in at the wrong, I tune in at the wrong point. Like, this thing's over. It was, it was fun while it lasted. A&M goes driving down the field with, I believe, one Isaiah Spiller run 
that might have gotten it might have been the long one of the 16 or whatever but calzada throw throw hits the deep shot to uh as he's getting hurt and he gets hurt and you're like all right now this game's gonna go to overtime and AM's gonna have to be playing with a backup quarterback and not only does it not go to overtime they get a stop they get the ball back and they get the field goal to win the game. And I think the whole thing shocked me. 27 carries in comparison to 31 pass attempts. Just the way that Jameis, or not Jameis, Jimbo went about things. I'm thinking about uh, Jimbo's f famous quarterbacks. Uh, it just, it turned college football on our heads because now it feels like we thought it was, we thought it was Bama, Georgia, and everyone else. And now it looks like it's Georgia and everyone else. And we're like, Okay, now do does somebody have a card up their sleeve, and is somebody going to prove to us that it's literally just everyone this year, and it's not just Georgia? I don't know if either of us truly believes that, and uh, certainly Vegas doesn't, in considering that Georgia's getting an 11th-ranked team in the country, and they're still favored by more than mm -hmm. three touchdowns this weekend. But it opens the door for us to not just automatically have two SEC teams in the playoff. No, I, I, it's so obvious it almost doesn't feel necessary to state, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. With this loss, Alabama's golden parachute's gone. They can't get to the SEC title and lose and still expect to go to the playoff. They must win out. No team with two losses has ever made it to the playoff. This field is going to be exceptionally cluttered unless every team in the country that is vying for this thing just shoots themselves in the foot, which I guess is possible. Cincinnati could lose at some point if that happens. They're gone. Um, the Big Ten could eat itself alive. You almost, the inclination is Big Ten folks are very excited about the fact that they've got five of the top ten teams. Well, I would rebut with very sharply saying they're all going to play each other and none of them will finish there. So what is the point about thumping your chest about something in week six? Um, so we'll see with that, but you would think the Big Ten is actually the team that's most likely, the conference rather, that's most likely to send um, multiple representatives i don't think that's gonna happen i think I this think weekend think i think happen. this weekend proved no conferences getting two teams in yeah and the pac-12 still has two viable candidates right now in arizona state and oregon i say that with my own biting of my tongue <laughs> in my mind um in saying that and putting that aloud but yeah and oregon as you said acc is probably done uh, wait could win out i think they would maybe Probably get in at that point, but that resume would be just as weak as what Cincinnati fielded last year with an undefeated season. You, so you can say Wake Forest could win out, and I would counter with Wake Forest is not going sure. To win out I'm just playing the they, hypothetical. Their game. defense is not good. Like this is the extent of. There's too many good games for us to analyze Wake Forest, Syracuse to a. I'd like to for a little bit, but well, you can shine some love on Sam Hartman sure. at the end of the show. But they just do some really cool stuff offensively. And their defense about. is not good enough to like no. not have a bad week that costs them at some point. Yeah, sure. So, circling back to Alabama, though, you can't lose twice. Mm -hmm. You can't lose twice and get in. It's just not going to happen. There are too many bachelors that are worthy of getting a rose, so to speak, to use an analogy that uh, I think fits the greater taste for media consumption. Um, not me, I'm a football guy. But <laughs> uh, Alabama, this maybe we should have seen it coming, right? I texted you at one point, I believe when it was 24 to 10, and I go, we've seen Alabama play two road games. I was really adamant in the preseason of saying, 
This Alabama team is younger than any team Saban's ever had before. Well, this is only their second true road game. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. And you look at it, and it's like, okay, this team, even the guys that were around on last year's team that didn't play that much because of what they had uh, in terms of seniors and guys who came back when you didn't think they were necessarily going to, Devontae Smith, etc. What you kind of realize is this team's never played in front of hostile environments. And you scoff at that. And you go, ah, I don't know how much of an impact that makes, but for Alabama, the discrepancy in their performance on a neutral site and at home against capable opponents, because I think Ole Miss proved they're actually pretty daggum good this weekend. I, I think it's just a really young Alabama team. This wake-up call might be a good one for them. The thing that I can't believe is that they had the bulletin board material of what was said in the preseason by Jimbo Fisher, saying we're going to get Bama and we're going to kick uh, Nick Saban's ass while he's there. And then Saban class back, he goes, in what, in golf? And they still lost this game. I, There's a first loss by Saban to a former assistant of his. It is. It is the biggest line that Saban has ever lost with and it's, as a favorite at Alabama. I think it was 19. 18, 18. And it was the first time in 80 games that Alabama had lost a game in which it was favored by more than 10 points. 80 games in a row, winning outright. Pretty much the same era. Winning, yeah, pretty much. Winning outright as an eight, as a 10-point or more favorite. It's it's incredible. It it makes this entire season more interesting. It makes the Heisman race more interesting. Yeah, because uh, Bryce Young is not winning this thing. It's not going to happen. I mean, he would have to go scorched earth on, like, the rest of the the rest of the SEC, the rest of the way. And, because, like, listen, he's still the favorite. Yes, he is still the favorite. And You're that's... burning money if you bet that. That's... Yeah, like at this point, if you're holding a Bryce Young ticket from the preseason when it was plus 700 or whatever, good for you. If you're betting Bryce Young at plus 180, that's just a bad bet. Just like betting Matt Corral at plus 210 is a bad bet. Like if you if you were on either of those trains before they left the station in week one, good for you. Otherwise, you want to be, if you're in that market, you want to be going for C.J. Stroud, and I'd love to hear you make the case for him because you made the case mm-hmm. to me this morning. I, I put money on that, and I'm not and, a better. And if you, if not, Kenneth Walker, Bijan's case got a little tougher because Texas yeah, lost that game. I don't think that, that one's going to happen. But Bijan was special in that game as well. So yeah, true, fair. I, my thing is, I'm not sure if Bama, like, I don't want to be too prisoner of the moment and be like, oh, that... It, I've seen enough to think that this is going to happen. But at Auburn, the last week of the year, feels like a spot where they could get got again. And then they become a two-loss team that ends up in either the Sugar Bowl or, like, the Outback Bowl killing a, a, a Big Ten team. Yeah, and, I mean, this is kind of the snake biting its own tail of Alabama football, the circle of life with these teams, is that Okay, 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 you build up, you build up, you build up. You have this year where you are unbeatable. Like last year, and then the following year after everybody leaves, the guys who step in kind of just assume that it's going to be easy, can't be stopped, and you get stopped a couple times because it's the SEC. You lose maybe, sometimes it's one game and they go to the playoff. That feels a lot like, you know, the Blake Sims year. They lost Ohio State in the semi. Sometimes... You know, you even get as far as the national championship game. Sometimes you lose two games, you play Michigan in the Outback Bowl, like you said. So, for Alabama, this ha- this week of practice is going to be really tough for that team. And they're going to figure out who really wants to be there. 
They got Mississippi State on the road. On the road, it could be tough. They should handle that. They've had some struggles there in years past. I'm just checking to see how much they're favored by. But they should handle that. They should handle their business the rest of the way. The only team realistically on their schedule that could give them problems, maybe Tennessee, just because they can score points. They can run the ball. They can run the ball. Maybe, probably the team that could give them the most trouble is Auburn. But Alabama should set themselves up for a shot at redemption in an SEC title game. It just looks like Georgia, who has a backup quarterback in at the moment and is still mollywhopping everybody they play, is far and away the best team in the country. But... This week was the first week it really started to resemble 2007 because the top dog lost. Yeah. That team we didn't think could lose lost. It wasn't the chaos that existed, you know, from ranks five down. It was Alabama lost a game to an unranked opponent. And this could get really chaotic from here on out. Yeah, like top ten teams lose. Top ten teams lose all the time uh, to other ranked teams. But... The thing that separates college football from college basketball is we usually are not getting number one ranked losing to an unranked team. And we got that this weekend, which shakes some things up. Um, I, I think we could have gotten some more shakeup, and I don't know if you're ready to, but we could talk OU Texas. Um, Let's it, do it. Because if OU had lost this game, if Texas had closed it out, and it feels like this is the story of a lot of Red River rivalries, is it's a lot of what could have been for Texas uh, – they win their fair share of these games. It's not like it's a super, super, super one-sided yeah. rivalry. But there's games like this where it feels like Texas is making a move and Texas is taking advantage of its talent and it's meeting the oh. meeting the bell. I, I, I know where you're going. I think I really disagree with it, but, but I'm going to let you finish the but thought. My point is Texas not finishing this job makes the Big 12 championship race, the Big 12 title race, it all but secures that OU's going there, and it all but secures that o- Oklahoma State versus Texas this week is huh. going to determine who's... Iowa State's hanging out there, but probably. I think the winner of this weekend in Austin, big noon kickoff, is going to get a second chance at, at OU. We'll see. Um, I think what this game proved to me about Texas is that they are, in fact, back... And next year's going to be their year. Because all these guys are coming back for yeah. them. Uh, Worthy, I mean, Worthy looked like Devontae Smith running around out there uh, in terms of what kind of role he can occupy in a Steve Sarkeesian offense. Casey Thompson's going to be back. Bijan Robinson's going to be back unless he's just so daggum good he decides, ah, I'm going to hang out uh, and I'll, I'll go get drafted in March or May or whatever it is. Whenever it is. I think it's May. Um, no. I thought Texas played a great game. I thought, you know, they made some mistakes. They flinched at the end when they were getting the ball back and they fumbled the kickoff and allowed Oklahoma to get the lead. But all in all, you know, hats off. OU made a change at quarterback. Caleb Williams stepped in and everything changed. And I know that this is going to be a competition and I know they don't want to lose Spencer Rattler. Because, I mean, hey, they had a moment in there where they had to go for two, and Rattler came back in because he's the guy who had been taking the number one reps, and he knew what the two-point package was, and he knew he could run it, and he got the two-point conversion. Yeah. But his body language was not great on the sideline. You could tell how just 
crushed he was that he had been pulled from that game. And as soon as Caleb Williams got the football in his hands, he took off, started running. He didn't stop running. 66-yard touchdown on his first touch. And from there on out, he looked special. And I made a point to you that because the Heisman field is so wide open, so wide open, that he has a chance if he is tapped as a starter and they become the Oklahoma team that we thought they were going to be in the preseason. The counting stats will not be there in proportion to his contemporaries. But because of what that offense looked like they could achieve with him at the helm, given Texas wasn't prepared for him, I don't know how much their offense really changes and what they do with him at quarterback compared to Spencer Rattler. But I will say that I think he had the best Heisman moment of any guy so far in that game against Texas, which is going to be the game of the year, which is crazy because the two best games of the season may have been going on concurrently with that and Ole Miss-Arkansas. But he had his Heisman moment. He's going to put up ridiculous numbers, assuming Lincoln Riley does what seems obvious and just goes with him. But, I, A, I don't think you can assume that he goes with him and if completely. I, B, I just think there's just no way you B, can see what happened is, in that game and, and not have him be your quarterback. But go back and look at Heisman Trophy winners the last decade plus. It would be unprecedented. No one, not only has no one ever like not played in four games or five games, whatever OU had played sure. at this point, they've played five. So, yeah. yeah. I know Caleb Williams got a snap in the K-State game. I know he's got snaps. He scored snaps. touchdowns, but he's yes. yeah, played like 5% of the snaps. Yes. He wouldn't. It wouldn't even just be about the counting stats not being there because it's like the counting stats are not going to be there for certain other people that are in the top ten of the odds at the moment, like a Jaden Daniels who's playing really well, but statistically the touchdowns and the touch the passing touchdowns mm-hmm. just f- philosophically because of a- ASU's Herm Edwards choices in the red zone, he's not going to accumulate that many passing touchdowns. That doesn't mean he's not a good player. With Caleb Williams. When you don't play for most of five games and every other Heisman Trophy winner in the last decade plus, I think dating back, I don't even know what the, what the comparison is. Like, Devontae Smith has the least amount of games played of any Heisman Trophy well, winner, that, and that's because of COVID, because yeah. the season was shortened. So relative to his peers, he wasn't playing less games. Caleb Williams is, like, I... I know I'm just being a wet blanket on your theory, no, sure. but it's, Absolutely. Like, it's, it's not going to happen. And it, it's more likely that it's more likely that he wins like a Big Twelve Newcomer of the Year award. Than, sure, by far, it's a big swing. Can. You can't even get odds on this. No, you can't even get odds on this. Which right is, now. and you can still get odds on Spencer Rattler, which tells you what they what people think about whether Lincoln Riley has actually that, given up on it. Yeah, I don't think Vegas is willing to throw that that Caleb Williams line out there yet because they, they just don't know. Um, but, but here, does anybody hate this. the Red River rivalry more than Spencer Rattler? Because he's been benched in it twice. twice. <laughs> Here's the thing with Caleb Williams, though. It, it would be unprecedented for a lot of reasons beyond what you just gave. He'd be the first true freshman to ever win the award. But the field is bad. And I wouldn't pick him. Like I, I think it's going to be C.J. Shrouds to lose based on what Ohio State seems to be looking like, uh, especially ever since he came back from his nap time game where they're just like, yeah, we'll, we'll go with the other guys for today. We don't need to put you out there. But you're still our guy. And since then, he's been ridiculous. I just kind of believe that Caleb Williams showed some pixie dust, some magic, some stuff that we've not seen from guys 
and that throw to Marvin Mims where he wasn't even was touching awesome. the ground and just like like a shortstop turning two threw a ball 60 yards inch perfect that's the kind of thing that could be showed in a Heisman montage and yeah he's only got six assumably seven games if he's made the starter to make this up right <laughs> I'm including a conference championship even though I know people cast ballots before that that's the kind of throw that makes you a Heisman favorite instantly next year, next year. Uh, I think it I think it's <laughs> I think it's this year he eliminated one of his biggest competitors potentially for the award in this game by beating Texas and Bijan Robinson but that's just not the way the award works like I, I just mean, this year is so chaotic I don't know if we can expect anything but I think that because it's chaotic I think it's a higher chance than ever someone wins this award with two losses like I mean, RG3 I could did be it. Sold. Johnny Manziel did it. I, yeah, I know. I could be sold on Corral loses another game at some point, but the number, the counting stats are there, and he's insane, and people love him as a draft prospect, all those types of things. I could be sold on Casey Thompson having games like this, 388 yards, five t- passing touchdowns, no interceptions. Like, weird stuff can happen, and I don't. I think we're going to get a different Heisman Trophy contender, Heisman Trophy winner than years past because – I don't know if it's going to be tied to a playoff team. If the playoff teams are Cincinnati rolling through a G5's conference schedule with Ritter not putting up crazy stats, if it's Georgia dominating with defense and Iowa dominating with defense, if that's the case and the fourth school in is like an ASU or an Oregon who doesn't have anyone who overwhelms with anything, then yes, it's probably going to be someone from one of these schools that just puts up absurd numbers but loses a couple games. And if that's the case, something Let's give it the freaking Tanner Mordecai then. Yeah, like... Dude's I, got 26 touchdown passes. We could have a lot of weird stuff happen, and I think that this... I think this is definitely a year where you end up with, like, six guys sitting in chairs in the front row at the high... It's, it's going to be the, in person, correct? They've confirmed yeah, that? Yeah, it will okay. be. But you're going to have a ton of guys sitting there rather than uh, years past. Um, I'm... Second look at the box score from Saturday. I am amazed by Kennedy Brooks's game. Yeah, um, he was very good. And I'm amazed that OU, how quickly they struck at the mm-hmm. end to turn the tide of the game. And obviously that happens because of the fumble on the kickoff return. Um, a great special teams play by OU there. And Dude literally they, just took the ball. They, yeah, he just ripped it. It was, it was a big brother type, I'm just taking the ball from you little kid move. And then Kenny Brooks responds, 217 yards, two touchdowns. Like, geez, it was it was incredible stuff. Um, I think it's fascinating to see what OU ends up doing. They've got – you could have an outright quarterback competition next, like, two weeks from now at KU. Just go quarter for quarter and see who, I just don't, who I don't, you want to ride I don't with. think there's any question at this point. You don't lose anything by putting Caleb out there because of what the offense has looked like with Spencer Rattler. And by the way, as impressive as this is, OU has still yet to beat a FBS opponent by more than a score. Yeah, and but you are if you go all in on Caleb, there is the chance Rattler just leaves the program during the year. Okay. And, and if that happens, then all right, we've, fine. But we've seen that to be a problem if you have something happen like what happened to Penn State this weekend where your guy goes down and your second option isn't even capable of getting first downs. But their second option is Caleb Williams. I know. And I, I know if, you don't want to chase dude off. I also trust Lincoln Riley to be able to 
do a little bit more than James Franklin with anybody at quarterback. And that's not really a shot at James Franklin. It's more of a pat on the back for Lincoln Riley. But I, I completely agree. I'm just saying, dude, Oklahoma's offense has not looked worse than it has with Spencer Rattler at quarterback in the Lincoln Riley era. So it can't get much worse with some true freshman backup if it has to be that way. I'm not disagreeing. Just saying. I, I'm not worried about losing Spencer Rattler if, I, if I'm Oklahoma I think you've, you've signed the certificate that he won't be back. In Norman, like next year, and he's not. His, he may his just draft stock is. Just he may just running. go deuces and head back to here to Arizona to prepare for the draft. I that'd be a wild move. Um, he may replace Jaden Daniels for a year as a bridge. Maybe. Um, what do you want to hit on next? I think we need to go to Oklahoma's uh, contemporary in that game. Okay. Which was Ole Miss, Arkansas. Absolute shootout. Comes down to a two-point conversion at the end. Arkansas doesn't get it. Play call was criticized. I actually don't really have a problem with the play call. I really don't. I mean, I hate I hate eliminating half of the field on a do-or-die play like that, but... I understand you, but like I'm also saying that you want plays on two-point conversions that can have options, right? And because you roll KJ Jefferson out... You gain the advantage of him using his legs and putting the defense in a bind that way. So I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, I, I think bootlegs and option plays are generally what you should go to in that situation. But this game was tremendous, like from start to finish. And if you just want to talk about a game that was exciting, possession for possession, this was the one over Texas, Oklahoma, because although Oklahoma's comeback was incredible and it was really fun to watch, the atmosphere was amazing. This game in a vacuum was probably more entertaining because it was just two teams taking two minutes and 30 seconds to answer each other's <laughs> scores constantly. Yeah, it was back and forth. It was back and forth the whole day. Um, this was what we thought <laughs> Ole Miss Bama was going to be last week, where it was teams not being able to get stops against each other. And then we figured out, Ole Miss was not capable of running the ball between the tackles against Alabama. They didn't plug the microwave in. And, yeah, and Lane was interviewed after the game and said, was asked about the two-point conversion. He said, I don't really think we stopped them. They just didn't complete the pass, uh, which I would say is the case. Uh, and I think the thing that stands out for me is how run-heavy Ole Miss was and how it truly is. Everything's predicated off of the run for them. Because they ran the ball 49 times, they threw the ball 21 times, and that's with a quarterback who we think is going to be a first-round pick in the upcoming draft. That's with a quarterback that's one of the Heisman co-favorites. And that's with an offense that has receivers like Braylon Sanders, who I was high on in the preseason, Don Terrio Drummond, who you've been high on all yep. of this year. No one on this offense had more than two receptions. And it was explosive plays. Arkansas, I think the stat that stands out to me, and I will bang this drum because I'm Mr. Anti-Time of Possession. Arkansas wins time of possession by 12 minutes. They got 39 first downs. Ole Miss got 22. But like, the, if you can hit explosive plays at the rate that Ole Miss does, it doesn't quite matter uh, in the same extent. I was about to say, I don't think them having time of possession yeah. hurt them. It didn't hurt them. but It I'm was saying, just a style of offense yes. they play. KJ Jefferson has just grown quarter by quarter throughout the season. Like That barring, guy is barring Georgia. ridiculous. I, he even played okay against Georgia. He didn't Get a lot of he didn't help. do anything stupid. Um, yeah, it's it just like, wow. 
He was phenomenal throwing the ball down the field, uh, running the football. Ole Miss, it just, I, I, I'm almost at a loss. And it, it just is so obvious to me that when this Ole Miss team can run the football, they're going to be successful. They had over 300 yards rushing in this game. They were better running the ball than throwing the ball. And that's the thing about Corral that I think people don't necessarily get all the time. You know, when you can do the RPO stuff and it's because you're able to run the rock, that's when he's actually, you know, at his best. And that was the case in this game. Didn't ever feel like he was really dominating throughout the game through the air. But, I mean, a couple huge plays here and there because Arkansas's defense was forced up to play the run. And, boom, there you go. I think he can also still be in this Heisman mix. I don't know the rest of the way necessarily if Ole Miss is going to be a team that's going to lose again. Like, they probably will. They probably will drop a game to A&M or something. I, they got Tennessee like this, this week. Tennessee. That is going to be a fun shootout type it's gonna be the It's going to be the same type of thing where, like, I think both teams are going to run the ball for 250, 300 yards again. Like, it's going to be a run the ball for a ton of su- success mm-hmm. and open stuff up with the play-action pass. And, like, t- Tennessee's kind of figuring things out. They're 4-2 and two under Heupel. It looks They've good. They've been scoring. They've been scoring easily and Hennon quickly. Hooker is their quarterback, and they finally figured that out. I don't know why it took so much mm-hmm. math to get there. But, but, but yeah, like, Ole Miss could run things off here and you look at some chaos in the SEC West. Like, we're not locked into any certain team going to Atlanta. From the SEC West. Yeah, Alabama would obviously have to lose again. But, and I, I do think it's going to be Bama. But that, it's like, what do you do? If, if it's Kentucky, particularly if it's Ole Miss because the West is stronger than the East, if they their only loss in the regular season is that loss to Alabama slash Georgia in Kentucky's case. And it's 11-1. and one. And they're a one-loss team and there's a lot of clutter. Like, I'm not so – I'm pretty certain, but I'm not 100% certain that the committee wouldn't pick a one-loss Ole Miss or Kentucky over a one-loss Pac-12 champ. I, I think that that notion is pretty preposterous on its face because one would be a conference champion, the other wouldn't, especially if it's Oregon because they have the Ohio State win in their back pocket. But I don't think it's impossible – I don't think it's worth considering, though, because we know that chaos is going to happen this year. I also don't think it's... I think it's a faint argument to be made because Ole Miss's loss was non-competitive to Alabama. Sure. I am anticipating that Kentucky's loss against Georgia will we'll be, be non-competitive. Sure. Again, it's a 20-point line. 23-and-a-half. <laughs> like, Lord. it's absurd. Um, well, but that's what, like, Georgia has just been anaconda constricting, like, on people. Like, it's, it's insane what they've done of just... I think it was very telling that Georgia Auburn, Auburn has first and goal, or they had fourth and goal, right before the half, down 17-3, and Brian Harson goes, you know what, being down 17 to six, does like I'm not gonna get many chances in the red zone, so being down 17 to six is not worth it mm-hmm. when I can just go for it here and try to score a touchdown. Sure, like Georgia's defense is gonna be so good that teams are forced to actually be even more <laughs> aggressive against them. Because the chances that you get are going to be so slim and so so infrequent that you're going to have to do some ridiculous stuff stuff for it. Um, 
I feel like I feel like we're not talking enough about just everything in, in general this weekend, but Georgia, I mean, you got Georgia four just took hours care of to do a Georgia pod, just took care of it. Because so. I don't. Yeah, like no. If we could touch on everything, we would. Uh, just this weekend was so wild that we can't. I think I, we should do Michigan, Nebraska, and Iowa, Penn State. You want to go into the Big Ten into a little cluster? Because I don't think there's much from the Pac-12 this weekend. Oregon didn't play. UCLA beat Arizona. ASU took care of business. Three straight games that they've covered, which I think is a good sign of, of like, that's a good team rounding into form. Sure. But that's, like, all we need to talk about for that Before we do that, I want to make a couple points. So, A, let's not forego what happened with BYU losing to Boise State, which I don't think we saw coming. All but knocks them out Four turnovers. of this picture. And, yeah, Jaron Hall came back, and they turned the ball over. Not going to win. Uh, they they turned it over also in key spots where they were in plus territory as well. So, yeah, tough. Sorry, hey, BYU. Sometimes the better story. team doesn't win. Yeah. Sometimes, and, like, that's what BYU fans wanted to believe, that they beat ASU and that ASU didn't beat itself. And then that's they turn, not true. And then they turn around and objectively. They, they objectively beat themselves. So yeah. that's what happened. And for people who want to complain that, like, ASU is a spot over BYU in the AP poll, guess what? People can look with their eyes and see who the better team is. And we can have the – we can have the it's – a, it's a philosophical debate of how you fill out your ballots because guess what? ASU is one spot ahead of BYU despite mm-hmm. losing to BYU. Ohio State is one spot ahead of Oregon despite losing to Oregon. It's, it's and, also about how you're playing – Lately. Yes, and, but it's a combination of both, and it yep. depends on what people value. And that's kind of the – it's the beauty and the ugly thing of college football is, like, everyone can kind of justify it their own way. It's just frustrating when we get to the college football playoff ranking and there's no consistency year to year of what they value. We'll see what happens because eventually we're going to get to November. They're going to have to rank these teams, and specifically Ohio State and Oregon is going to be a, a comparison point for a, barring – the Penn State-Ohio State game will be before the first rankings, so yeah. that could change things. And we don't but, know what Sean Clifford, his prognosis is and what I can look it up right is going to impact things going forward. Uh, so to that, that point, yeah, BYU is a team, much like Iowa, that on the days that they – don't make mistakes, which are most days, they will take advantage of your mistakes and they will beat you with them. When a team like that makes mistakes in their own right, they ain't winning. Because they're just simply not talented enough to overcome that. That's the same story with Iowa. Again, Iowa, as we transition to that, seems to have this this leverage and weight that they can put on a field on their side to tilt it their way. And I don't think it's fluky at this point in time. Now, they definitely got lucky in this game because Sean Clifford had the offense humming. Who knows what the ripple effect is, you know, if he just stays in, butterfly effect and all that. I don't know. He had thrown two picks. Like, what's to say he doesn't throw a pick six the next play and it's just in Iowa's favor? You don't know that. But the way it was going, Sean Clifford stays in. Penn State probably runs away with that thing. He, they had committed no procedural penalties with Clifford in. Roberson comes in, they commit eight. And I'm not like I'm not. I will absolve Roberson on this fact. It's on Penn State for not having him prepared. That is the truth. And when you start five of the eleven possessions that you have inside your own fifteen yard line, like 
against a top three team, hostile environment, like you're kind of screwed. By the way, that that is how Iowa plays. They punt. They, the ball. they have an elite they punter punt that pins you in. It's basically and a great offensive play. Bust your eardrums. <laughs> it's a great offensive play. Yeah, but like, dude's the MVP of the game. Like they punted the heck out of it. They are. Iowa is fourth. This is stat credit of Ralph Russo of the AP. Fourth in the country in total punts. The top ten is New Mexico State, Vandy, New Mexico, Iowa, Southern Mississippi, Yukon, Illinois, Arkansas State, FIU, Middle Tennessee State. If you're counting at home, those teams that aren't Iowa are 12 and 45. Iowa is 6 and 0. So, like, the amount that they punt, the frequency with with which they punt and the how well they do how well they do it is what separates them because I would assume the other teams that are that bad are not punting from great field position they're not getting great field position from yeah. their punts sure. they're just punting a ton right Iowa punts a ton but they put it in good spots and then their defense creates turnovers and it works yeah eventually that runs into a wall I'm I'm just gonna sh- I'm sharing my screen right now on the stream this guy that Tory Taylor won the game for Iowa he's a weapon. A lethal one. Okay, that's enough of that. That was nice. Yeah. I'm just watching. It wasn't the highest production value, but I needed to illustrate a point. Yeah, correct. Uh, Dude's hitting 60-yard bombs inside the five. Like, yeah. No. The Clifford injury, by the way, I looked up is unspecified. I don't think anybody knew what happened. I don't think it. He just was grabbing his back. I don't Uh, think it. So. Don't think it's season ending. I hope not. not. Uh, so, I felt worse about Iowa, though, coming away from this game than I did going in, even though they won. So did, so did I, because I was like, the better team didn't win. I don't. I think won't go that far. Won. I don't think Penn State's anything super, super special. Neither do I. But, but I don't think Iowa is either. And they're having an awesome season, and I root for them, and they force turnovers like no other. But when they get into the game where they are against an opponent that is going to match their physicality and have more athleticism, i.e. Ohio State, they could run into problems. Because Goodson's the only guy that really scares you. Like, Laporta's a good player. He got taken out of this game. But, yeah, he was a non-factor in this game. Reganey is, like, an okay player. We've seen 80 of them in the Big Ten. It's just, like... Like, if you remember Westerkamp at, at Nebraska, he was a good player, but he wasn't the kind of dude that was just going to go win you a football game. And w- when we talk about Ohio State and the rhythm they're finding and Travion Henderson is running roughshod over everybody, C.J. Stroud's slinging it around, their top four receivers are like four of the top eight receivers in America. I just don't think that Iowa can hang up against that. I think they can go undefeated through the regular season, though. They've got a tough game at, at Nebraska end, to at the end. end. They've also got to go to Camp Randall and win. Those are the only two losses that I even see. You, is like you even see, close. yeah. So, you, you think they're going to be there at the end. Looking at Michigan State, who got a good win against Rutgers this weekend. I was going to give one last Iowa stat of like, Okay, go. Because you're, you're expressing some fear in the Iowa offense of like what it does. Let me say this, though. Okay. The turnovers aren't lucky. They are unique and adept and very, very skillful, great influences, great football IQ on their defensive line, their entire defense, their secondary. Their secondary tracks the ball. Extremely well and without interfering with guys, too. 
They are so good at tracking the deep ball and almost treating it like a punt and taking it away. That's not going to stop. They're going to continue well, to force turnovers. Riley I, Moss might be. Well, Riley Moss, his injury looks somewhat significant, but it's the entire defense yeah, that yeah. does this. That's not going to stop, and that's going to help them to beat most teams. It's just like, okay, when you're on third and eight and you're checking the ball down on your first read to a guy who's running a three-yard out and just okay to punt the ball, a lot of the time your defense isn't going to be good enough against the best competition to go out there and get stops on 70% of the opponent's possessions. And if that's the case, Iowa's offense isn't good enough to beat any of the top yeah. teams. Yeah, and you, you texted me during the game and you said, it feels like Iowa's offense throws short of the sticks, short of the line to gain, yeah. way more frequently than anyone else in the country. And that was great intuition by you because this is kind of a confusing stat, but Bill Connolly, ESPN, he's the guy that runs SP+, big time on FPI, and you can have whatever... Pretty statement. much Ken Palm for football. Yes. He makes the point in his latest article this week of breaking down the fatal flaws of every playoff contender. He says with Iowa... It's not that the Hawkeyes fall behind schedule, but it's that they do so more frequently than almost any team in the country. Yep. They have a 36.2% success rate, which means gaining at least 50% of the needed yardage on first down, 70% of it on second, or 100 or 100% on third and fourth down. They are the 36.2% success rate ranks 119th out of 130 Division One football programs, and it's 0.1% ahead of Vanderbilt. That's how bad their offense is. So, like, you can be high on Iowa and high on their defense and also be very realistic about their offense, be very realistic about yep. the flaws that it presents and why they probably should have lost to Penn State on Saturday if Clifford keeps playing that game, even though they were at home. And at some point, like, maybe their schedule won't expose them. I kind of think it will, whether it's Wisconsin or Nebraska, probably more so Nebraska based on what we've seen as of late. But Wisconsin, like, went in and killed Illinois for whatever that's worth this this past week. All those things to say, I'm still not a believer on Iowa. I'm going to ride that train until the wheels, all four of them, fall off. Um, whatever. We can talk about Michigan State. You're yeah. Peyton Thorne. Yeah, uh, Michigan Kenneth State Walker. looks really good. Naylor's a great downfield option. It's not just Kenneth Walker. They can throw the football. It's a good defense. It's a rugged defense. Mel Tucker's done a great job. Another team that, like, hey, they play Ohio State. I don't know if they got the horses. I just don't think they do. And you would think they could score against Ohio State's defense. But it's not like they score. Ohio State's defense has been getting better, and they don't score that much. They aren't hanging out in the 30s, 40s often. It's, 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 they're top 15 in the country in scoring offense. I understand like it's that. It's different. How yeah. much of that is from, hey, hanging like 48 on Western Kentucky? 38, right? on, 38 on Northwestern. Exactly. 38 on Miami. 23 on Nebraska, 31 on Rutgers. Like what I'm saying to you is it, when they played competent defenses, it's been a little bit more laborious. And I just don't know if they got the dudes to score with an Ohio State. We're going to find out. Like, we'll Ohio find out State plays in the, the second. Indiana. Yeah, to an extent. Uh, I think that I am – I said going into our conference previews that I would rather do Michigan State because I didn't think Michigan was going to do anything. And it turned out I actually was going to be right and wrong no matter what. Yeah. Because Michigan State's really good. Michigan's also really good. And there's something different about this Michigan team. There's a, a focus, a toughness. There are new coordinators. 
which I think is significant. I mean, Gaddis has been there, but new defensive coordinator, Don Brown is out. We're seeing how that's going for U of A. Um, <laughs> so it's just like Michigan's got an edge. Again, is it a beat Ohio State edge? I am unsure, but these are games that the last couple of weeks against Rutgers, against Nebraska, where they would have lost, and they're finding ways to win. They're very well coached, Aaron Mel Tucker. I'm talking about Michigan, not Michigan oh. State. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing with Michigan, the thing that stood out to me against Nebraska is, like, I think previous iterations of Michigan would have fallen apart at some point in the flood of, like, Nebraska emotions, Memorial Stadium going nuts, and the guts that they have to, like, run J.J. McCarthy out there at big points in the game, I don't know if it's what I would do, but it's what Jim Arbaugh's done, and it's worked very well. Um, But at the same time... I came away from that game being like, don't give up on Scott Frost. No. Like, he's kind of gotten – They like, got close. I don't know if he – They he find ridiculous – Like, I yeah. texted a buddy that goes to Nebraska when Nebraska was leading. I was like, happy for you. And, a punt's getting blocked or something. And he responded at one point with a few texts that I probably can't read. But essentially, I can't take this in anymore. I really can't. It's almost scripted this, at this point. I can't do it, man. That was after the fumble by Adrian Martinez. They lose the field goal. is kicked. They even get the ball back. They got a big play on the first play. You're like, oh, maybe they'll go down and tie the game. Get to mm-hmm. overtime. They'll give themselves a chance. No, sir. Nope. Like, Nebraska finds ridiculously painful ways to lose under Frost, and that sucks. But, like, Adrian Martinez played one of his most composed games like of his since, career. Since Illinois, he's been good. And then he had the fumble at the end, and everybody leaves with a sour taste in their mouth. That sucks. Yeah, I don't know what to make of Nebraska. I, I think that Scott Frost has gotten this team against all odds to buy in and to try. I think they're tough. I think they've got a, a, a good defensive base and identity there. I just, I, I'm just i unsure of whether or not getting close is good enough. For, I think it is for a... For now. Because compared to what they had seen, Nebraska fans, Nebraska boosters, this athletic uh, administration... This is really encouraging. But I do think they got to beat somebody at some point in time for him to secure his job because right now they're not winning many games. They don't go to a bowl. Like I don't know if you can really point to it and say, for a guy whose record is sub-500 there, worse than like Coach Riley was at Nebraska. I don't know if you can point to that and say that's enough. But, I mean... They are three and four. They are currently the highest ranked team in SP plus that's not projected to go to a bowl game, which would be remarkable. And like that's one of those things where if that's you every year, if that's you any year of college football, they gotta go three and two the sucks. rest of the way. And they get Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa to end it. So like the next two weeks or the next two of three because they have a bye week in two weeks. Minnesota, Purdue, like have to be wins. Yeah, have to be wins. Yes, absolutely, but absolutely. Because they can beat, they can beat Ohio State. They could beat. I don't uh, know. I'm not they could. There. They could. I, the other two, I do think, are winnable. I think they are better than Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. It's. Uh, don't give up. Don't give up on Scott Frost, especially if Adrian Martinez uses his extra COVID year next season. Like they could be back. Do they get to do that? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a fourth-year player, and he's got the COVID year. It so just carries a, over. He's a senior that is technically a junior. So next year he'd be a super senior. Okay. So he could come back if he wanted to. This week is, to me, in closing on what we've seen in the national context. I guess we can talk about ASU if you want. 
Um, USC, USC's down bad. Like, it's telling, though, that, like, for where SP Plus has Nebraska in comparison to other schools, yeah. like, it has them a spot ahead of Utah, and we think Utah's in because they beat USC. And I don't think Utah is anything, but I could be proven wrong they're, this they're, weekend. They're playing a pick em against ASU this weekend. They're four spots ahead of Arkansas. They're five spots ahead of Auburn and six spots ahead of Kentucky, seven spots ahead of Texas. That says just a, like, a glimpse. That, listen, Utah winning at USC, that is an awesome win for a program that's been through a lot, right? So you're rooting for them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look, remove that part, look at them objectively. I still don't think it's a very good football team. I guess we will find out this weekend when they host ASU how good they are and uh, how ASU is these are the kind of games that they've lost so ASU wins this week and they pretty much barring massive stumbles at the end of the year Oregon State got beat by Washington State this weekend so they might not be quite you know what we thought they could be you're talking about having to lose two of four to a five to Washington State, USC, Oregon State, Washington, and Arizona, which you could very easily argue might be the five worst teams in the Pac-12. I, I, no, because Oregon State's better than Cal. Okay, Cal, fair. Five of the six. Really, yeah, they're playing the the remainder of ASU schedule after Utah is. Five of the six worst. And if they beat Utah, they would have to lose two of those. They've already beaten, in my mind, the third and fifth best teams in the conference. Because I think I think if you're power ranking the Pac-12 at this point, it goes take your take your choice: ASU or Oregon at one and two, UCLA still at three. I think you go. Struggle with you. I think you go Oregon State at four, and I think you go Stanford at five. And, like, they've already beaten Stanford. They've already beaten UCLA. So I think they've beaten the third and fifth best. I think they're playing Utah, who's the sixth best at six. And then the bottom half of the conference of, like, USC, Washington probably at seven, eight. Washington State, nine, just because they've been competent. And then the bottom three of, like, Cal, U, uh, Cal, Colorado, and Arizona should just go play by themselves for the rest of the year and avoid, like, the, no, those games – should not be on TV. They should be closed scrimmages. The public should not be allowed to watch them. <laughs> it should be hidden. But if you do get the Pac-12 Network this this weekend, you should watch Colorado Arizona because it could be a dumpster fire beyond anything. Like it could be. We've had that match of the last three weeks. We've had UConn. Will, UMass, will we get a field had, storm? No, Colorado's going to win. Arizona, at, at, if they, Arizona would storm the field though. Yeah, Arizona should storm the field. It's whenever. in Tucson. No, it's in. It's in Colorado. Yeah, no field storm there. I don't think so. But if it were in Tucson and Arizona won, they would storm the field. And I, I don't like saying nice things about Arizona, but I'm going to flip on the journalistic hat here. I There's two nice things to say about them. Credit to Jed Fish. His team fights, and I don't know how he's gotten them to continue to care. And then the other nice thing is people somehow still show up for their games. Yeah. But they ain't like, got anything else like, to do. They were coming off a bye. Everyone shows up. They did a whiteout, and it was like, "This is our." We've got water guns. We're gonna we're gonna catch UCLA off guard. We're gonna catch him with DTR hurt. DTR is telling broadcasters. He's telling Dave Fleming. He's telling Rod Gilmer, guys, I'm not 100. percent Like, I'm banged up. Stanford hit me hard. ASU hit me hard. I'm not feeling good. And Arizona's like, we can get him. And they try. McLeod gets hurt. Done for the year. Now you got to go back to Gunner Cruz. 
which hasn't been a lot of fun so far. How many quarterbacks have played for you? Has it been four? Four. Jeez. So uh, it's been tough. Um, Maybe uh, Jed Fish should recruit some guys from states that don't touch Arizona. Maybe, but I think I think it's too early to be like easy to be that guy and say we're only gonna we're that gimmicky line and then just be touching California. But anyway, we don't need to do a a lobotomy on on Arizona recruiting. That that was not the right term to use. A dissection on. (laughs) I mean, it makes you want to get a lobotomy watching U of A. But anyway, uh, ASU dismantles Stanford. They show flashes of just ridiculous highlight-making ability. They scored on their first three possessions, and I was like, oh, they're going to go drop 40 tonight. The ridiculous thing. Stuff that makes you kind of think about, like, 04, 05 USC. Like, stuff. Like, pitching a ball on a pick for a pick six. Jumping over dudes. Like, chucking the ball around. Jaden Daniels with a Ben Roethlisberger pump fake that pretty much opened up a hole big enough to drive an ambulance through. Something appears to be happening. You talk to people who have been around ASU over the years, and this team feels different to them. The focus level seems to be higher. We'll see if they can keep it going, right? Starting to get some eyes on you. Toss-up game this weekend. Yeah, they win this, you buy in. I mean, they win this, you beat the two... The two front, the two second and third best teams in your division, you've got the tiebreaker over both of them. USC is the next. It's out of it. They've the already got three conference losses. Yeah. It's almost mathematically. But, but USC possible. is like, there's enough talent on that roster that USC could do some screwing up for other people. And USC has been, for whatever reason, way better on the road than at home this year. But if Utah is going to win this win this division, it's going to be because they get Oregon, UCLA, and ASU at home, and they're going to have to pick those three off. I don't think that's going to happen. I still think ASU is going to win this weekend. But ASU just has to keep clearing the hurdles and keep avoiding stumbling to teams that they're not supposed to yep. lose to. And, like, I think they're going to be favored in every game from here on out. I really do. I really do. Up until the conference title, if they get there. If they get there, the odds, the fact that ASU and ASU's favored to not only just win the South, it's favored to win the conference at this point over Oregon – tells me ASU would be a favorite against Oregon on a neutral field right now. Like, that's what Vegas is telling you. So, they will, like, from here on out, I think they will be favored in every game they play. Yeah. Uh, so, in the ACC, just in closing. You can give your piece on Wake Forest. I'm well, going to stay I, out I of talking about sure the ACC. I'm staying out of talking about the ACC. Gonna, I'm opting will out. Will you officially eat crow on North Carolina now? Yeah. Yeah, that was a bad one. That was a bad, bad loss. Um, Uh, Miami's mine. I saw a tweet. Somebody said Florida State could run 90 high schoolers out there, and Mac Brown would find a way to lose to Florida State. Yeah, two straight years. That's his alma He's never beaten them. Two straight years, they've lost to Florida State as more than a two-touchdown favorite. Do you think he might just be like, I'm good, guys, after this year? I don't know. I mean, they've got so much talent coming in. The recruiting classes are really good. I don't know how they're going to put it together, especially with how on the, on the way out. What? And let me tell you a tale. So you and I have been going, and with USC losing, I still don't know if it's possible. That's the only not re- happen. The only reason they would come out here is because, hey, ASU is a team that could be like a sneaky playoff contender, and we need to 
feature them at some point. Speaking about game day, that week nine is pretty weak. And, like, one of the biggest competitors for game day that week might have been Wake in North Carolina. That definitely ain't happening now. But USC has to beat Notre Dame next week. They, they play. They, a bye, they have a bye this week, and then they get Notre Dame on the road and Arizona. They, I, I guess they have to be 5-3. and three for Maybe we should talk a little bit about Notre Dame Tech, too. Good win for Notre Dame. Really good win for Cincinnati, though. Yeah. Should have been. Patek should have won that game. Yes. Uh, so, in closing, I, I, let me say something about Syracuse Wake, too. Okay. I love what Wake does offensively because they run their read option RPO stuff like so delayed. Like every play looks like Le'Veon Bell. Like the mesh point just kind of moves up towards the line, towards the line, towards the line, and then like. Sam Hartman will, like, pull the ball or give it at the last second, and it works every time. And what it does is it draws the offense or the defense up. They have to, like, come down and decide whether or not they're going to play the run, and then Hartman pulls it and pops a pass over the top for a 40-yard touchdown. And they were down for a lot of this game. Schrader had it going for Syracuse, the Mississippi State transfer with a big old beard. Danny DeVito's done, RIP. Because Schrader's a good quarterback. And... Is it Dylan? De- I think it's Dylan DeVito. Danny DeVito is big. Oh guy. yeah, the, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, that'd be crazy if Danny DeVito was a quarterback. Um, isn't that like the little guy from What's Always Sunny? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, uh, Northwestern, uh, Northwestern, Wake Forest. They're pretty much the same. Um, Wake Forest, like guts, tough win. It's actually Tommy DeVito. Oh, cool. We really botched that one. Yeah, one a week. It's one a week with me. You know you're going to get one a week. Uh, Wake Forest, it's a really good win. And this is a team that probably is going to find themselves playing in the conference championship uh, against someone. They could go to New Year's Six, absolutely. By week. Well, yeah, somebody somebody from the Somebody's got to. Somebody has to go. Somebody has to go to the Fiesta Bowl. Syracuse, I mean, Clemson's just going to end up being... Like ten and two at the end of the season. <laughs> go to this. Go to the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, and they're gonna play like Coastal Carolina. It's gonna, gonna be awesome. Two Carolina schools all the way, all the way across Phoenix. the country. Uh, I would go to that game. That's I, to, to watch. I don't care how much the tickets are. To watch Grayson McCall, Jamie Chatwell. I absolutely would go to that game. Wake Forest is not going undefeated. That's the only. Thing I would, I would what, share. What would be better than Clemson and Coastal would be Wake and Coastal and the Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> Talk about a game that would get like I don't I hate being like TV ratings person but like that that game would not be getting watched at all and it'd be an awesome game and everybody and would, would miss a, out it'd be an awesome game and it would be one of those where the the tickets would be like thirty bucks the deep dark spots of college football Twitter would be in in on that thing like the TCU Cal game it could be two first round pick quarterbacks oh yeah I mean Sam Hartman's ever been the prospect of Sam Howell and I'll say that <laughs> okay. Turn me up. Okay, you're you're getting there. Uh, closing thought. Tip of my cap to you. Six and four in game picks. Seven and three. Five, six and four. Seven and three. I counted it back. I, I also counted it back. You went six and four. I missed USC. I missed Texas. You missed Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech. Those were the three. There was a fourth. There was a fourth. There definitely was a fourth. Who? I I'm mad at you for doubling back and like okay. he- protecting you had yourself. Texas loss. Mm-hmm. You had Virginia Tech loss. Oh, you did have seven and three. All I right. gained two games on you, and I'm back above five hundred. Thirty-one and twenty-nine, and I'm uh, thirty-five and twenty-five. And I hate you because you said before we did the show 
that you're going to go with LSU over Kentucky. And then I doubled back. And then you were supposed to be picking first. I picked first, picked Kentucky. I, I knew you were going to pick Kentucky, though, so that doesn't... Like, it it doesn't change anything, anything, but just on top of that, then you're like, ah, I'm going to protect myself, I'm going to go with Kentucky. That sucks. No, I protected myself because I realized this team is quitting on Coach O. And, like... You just had that epiphany during the, the show? Yes, the end is near. I call bull. Since I'm going to make the pot editing harder for you, I call bullshit. <laughs> That's your punishment. Go find it. Go find the needle in the haystack. I'm up four. You got. You also got a point in Green Dog, but you didn't get the outright win. I know. So ECU tough. had the lead under five minutes and lost it. They end up losing by three. Brutal. It may have been four. It was 2016. They lost by four. But I got the point. Did you get the point? No, I didn't. Let's go. South Carolina got rolled by Hypo. Oh, yeah, true. Facts. Yeah, I forgot you went with South Carolina. Yeah, I knew um, that was over quickly. So, Gabe's. Uh, Burkich had a good game. He didn't miss a game. We were going to have, <laughs> we were gonna have a, a real chance for a walk off Gabe winner. You see what I did there? Yeah. But then Kenny Brooks had other plans, and I was like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to score. Dude, that, that play, I, I texted you, I thought, I was like, man, Texas, let him score. No, no I just played right defense. defense. <laughs> yeah, um, so that was disappointing, but uh, that's about all I got. Like, we just did another, another four of four on field goals, five of five on extra points, 17 points for Gabe Burkich. Can't ask for much more. I'll make one last sweeping statement. The reason why we should not go to 12 teams, we can have a discussion about eight. The reason why we shouldn't go to 12 is because if we go to 12, there are no ramifications from last week. Alabama losing doesn't change anything. They're still going to the playoff, no doubt. Well, Texas losing probably doesn't change anything for them. Probably still going to have a chance to be in the playoff. So I would argue that if you want weeks like this, past one to feel as intense as it did, have the stakes that they did in week six, you can't really go to 12 teams or more. Yeah. Can't go to more than eight, even. And we got to get rid of the automatic qualifier thing. I I don't think anything's been officially decided on. That was reported, and then Oklahoma, Texas happened, and I think things have shifted, but... Everybody's just going to sit on four forever now. Let's do it. Let's do it. It is the best system. Maybe eight. If Cincinnati doesn't get in this year, that's a pretty good argument to go to eight. <laughs> I'm kind of here for Cincinnati not getting in this year. I hate you. Maybe, maybe if that means ASU. Then why do you want eight teams? Why do you want more teams is my we'll question see. to you then. Um, Sounds like we're ending on negative vibes, but well, it was you, a great week. From you. It was a great week. I never really got to outline the C.J. Stroud-Heisman case, so I'll do that very quickly. Okay. Pretty simply, look at the stats. Check the box score. I'm not going to read it for you. Go do it. They've gotten really good very quietly the last couple weeks as Ohio State has hung 60 on folks routinely. They finished the year with Penn State in two weeks, some powder puff games against teams like Purdue and Indiana where they can really put up stats in those games. And then the last two games of the year before the conference title, the lasting taste that he can leave in voters' mouths is Michigan State and Michigan I think he can put up numbers in those games. He's at plus 1,000 right now. I would go out and get that ticket. Because to me, you he seems like he's got, got I don't bet, and I put $10 on that. <laughs> that seems like a runaway to me. Like, it seems the easiest path to winning the thing of anybody by a lot. If you've been watching Ohio State the last couple of weeks, 
you're seeing it come together and they look like Ohio State now, or at least they're starting to. I want it to be Corral bad, so badly. It could be Corral. I, I think it's going to be one of those two dudes or Caleb Williams. Because I have a Corral plus 2,500 preseason ticket, so root for that. I don't think it's going to be Kenneth Walker. I don't either. I don't think it's going to be Bijan. I don't. And then who are you left with? You're left with Bryce Young, Matt, and CJ. And CJ Stroud Unless, and Caleb Williams. Yeah. Um, Desmond, so, Desmond. So. It's not going to happen for Ritter. It's just not. So as we wrap up the show here... Let's do scholarships and sanctions. You can begin. You got any? Uh, I'm just making sure our screen is, our stream has gone down here momentarily. Uh, finishing up here in short, as I try to get this back online, the Ole Miss social team, you're great. You're so good. Like, just trolling the heck out of Arkansas. Beautiful, beautiful. It was just splendid to watch you guys work. Gabe. I'm going to go with uh, the Surrender Cobra, which we seem to, shots. We we seem to always get elite crowd shots at Texas OU. But a Surrender Cobra crowd shot immediately after the first play of the game, 75-yard touchdown. I just thought scholarship to the Fox cameraman. For or sorry, ABC, ABC ABC cameraman for finding that immediately and getting on that, um, and then also just a scholarship. I just when you have elite football and you have elite momentum changes and shifts and everything, my overwhelming scholarship for the weekend is the memification of TV visuals. Like, we've gotten to the point where camera operators are so good at finding memeable faces that anything goes wrong and it's immediately cut away to, like, the most memeable fan available or a coach, whichever coach is making, like, the craziest face. Scott Frost happened to be the one that I saw in the Nebraska game. Saw that in the, in the uh, Oklahoma-Texas game. Just a great weekend. Um, and that's the positive I'm going to end on. Just a couple quick ones in closing. The Natty Knight of Tennessee, the guy who made a full suit of armor out of Natty Light boxes and put a big old power tee on his chest. Nice. That was epic. That nice. was epic. Nice. Caleb Williams for the FU horns down nail polish. That was awesome. Th- that was elite. That was just peak of peaks. Um, sanction to the graphic guy at Washington State. Got a little bit too uh, creative, I think, on on the post game graphic for the Oregon State dub because it's like no Washington State dub. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the they won dub over Oregon State. Oregon State. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I meant. Um, it's like this weird puppet master thing. I don't know. Look it up. Very odd stuff. It's just like it reminded me a lot of the Martin Luther King Day post from Florida State in a weird way. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, and a scholarship to the guy who, uh, the Yale leader, who jersey swapped with the A&M player after the win. That that was elite. electric. Elite. Okay. Um, I've got I, one I'm going to save for the best thing real, I saw this week. i got week. a real negative one, but I'm just not going to share it because... We don't need to finish like that. We don't, need, we we don't, don't. need to lead on that. I will just say this. No game, regardless of outcome, 
is worth shooting another person over, and yeah. that happened after the A&M and Bama game. Yeah. Really unfortunate situation, but I guess it just does mean more down there. Somebody died. Yes. Somebody died Somebody over lost arguing, life. arguing whether Alabama or Texas A&M was a better college football team. And that, folks, is <sighs> not great. America. Sadly. On that note, we'll see you on Wednesday. This has been Heat Check. Thanks for watching. Blaze Radio presents Heat Heat Check. Sunday or Monday, you know that we flex. True. You can never make it more obvious. You checking for the heat, that's cold. That's cold, that's cold. Get it to the top of the top of this. You can never reach uh, these hoes. Hop in the booth and we spin the truth. Aye. We inspire the youth and we get to the loop. You do what it does and we do what it do. We turn to the max and they got you on mute. You. Ooh, flow so high so you know Aye. I had to run it back. Blazes a ball and we run it like a running back. Gabe brought chalk so you know Aye. we have it from a dead. Turn you in the up so you know Aye. it ain't no coming back. Now we done with that.